Hello, welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast at Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. My name is Jeff Bruce. I'm a pastor here. I'm joined by another pastor here. He's my dad. His name's John. He's a Niner fan as well. He discipled me to be a Niner fan. I did not have a choice in the matter. (laughs) And, you know, Dad, today we're talking about anger. I'm not angry today because we beat the Seahawks. We beat the Cowboys. It doesn't get much sweeter as a Niner fan than beating those two teams. You're easily satisfied. I, I want to see us beat the Eagles. Yeah. But I don't know. If this, that's going to be a harder hill to climb. It is, but I have no deep childhood scars from the <laughs> Eagles. That's true. I don't have any sort of yeah, latent animosity toward the Eagles. So it just it feels different. I want to beat them, um, but I, I don't have the, the same that's irrational, true. That's true. irrational rage. That's right. That we'll be discussing today. That's right, irrational rage. So I, I never punched the wall as a child after <laughs> losing to the Eagles. <laughs> but the Cowboys, that's a different story. Yeah. So, Dad, today we are going to continue our series entitled Dirty Deeds. And our theme verse for this series is Romans 8.13. Paul says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul says there, you're already yawning, Dad, at my intro. My gosh, Paul says there are deeds that must be put to death, or those deeds will kill us, including sloth, Dad, as the Puritan John Owen said, be killing sin, or it will be killing you. There are deeds, Paul says, that we practice. The Greek word is praxis, which could be translated practices or habits. And so this series is all about identifying those deeply ingrained habits, the things we bring into our Christian life. It's identifying them and then crucifying them. Paul has a number of lists in his letters where he lists the deeds of the flesh, and we're going to work through a bunch of these and uh, talk about how to identify the deeds of the flesh, how to crucify the deeds of the flesh, why it's so important to do this. And uh, the thesis, really, for this series is that the only way to develop good habits is to kill bad habits. Right. Uh, as Aquinas said, only habit overcomes habit. And so you cannot instill a good habit until you root out the bad one. So right. that's what we're doing. Dad, we talked about pride. Today we're talking about anger. Right. Now, I know you very well. <laughs> very well. And, and I can honestly say you are not an angry man. Well... I, my thesis is that all of us are angry. We just have different ways of expressing our anger. So you are not an explosively I'm angry not, I'm not explosively man. angry. I can count on one hand the number of times in my life I've seen you get really, really angry. And I had a front row seat. Yeah, so, that's uh, right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and, Dad, I am uh, a more angry man than you. And you don't need to agree with that statement because that'll just make me angry. But it's an area I need to grow. So uh, if you feel like an angry person, listeners, I'm, I'm right there with you. So, yeah, I thought we'd begin our conversation this way. I want to explore a tension, a tension in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Here's the tension I think people feel. Psalm 7 says this, God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. Some translations say, who feels angry every day. Mm -hmm. So the Bible often describes God as angry, as wrathful, and uh, obviously God's anger is a good thing, not a a bad thing. It's part of his perfections. 
Now, I'm made in God's image, and, and that explains why I get angry at some level. Uh, and yet, something feels off about saying, Jeff is a righteous man who feels angry every day. Uh, there are certainly righteous forms of anger. Jesus was angry on a number of occasions. And yet, when speaking about human anger, the Bible's assessment seems overwhelmingly negative right. to me. Right. We have very broad denunciations of anger, like James 1.20. The anger of man, human anger, does not achieve the righteousness of God. Right. So I guess the tension is this. We know there are good forms of anger since God gets angry, and, and yet it is an overwhelmingly negative portrayal in Scripture, especially when it comes to humans. So how do we put those things together? It seems to me that we have to start with the basic of why is anger sinful, and start with that, because apparently there are some forms of anger that are sinful and some forms of anger that are righteous. And so we'd have to say is, why is are some forms of anger sinful? Right. And uh, go with that. And it seems that... Um, that anger is a failure at in its sinful form is a failure to love God and put Him first in my life. It's letting something else control me other than God and His will, and it's a failure to love my brother. And uh, I think of the passage in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, uh, "You've heard the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder.'" And whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother will be liable before the court. Whoever says to his brother, you fool, shall be liable before the Supreme Court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty enough to go into the hell of fire. So apparently that anger uh, is a failure in from Jesus to, to, to love our neighbor as ourself. So that's kind of where I would go is... is is what, who is in control of me when I'm in a, when I'm anger? Is it the, the the love of God, the righteousness of God, my concern for God's glory, or is it my concern for my own will, my own desires, and things like that? And I think because anger is such a primal emotion, so deeply rooted, um, it it has to be channeled toward a constructive end, yeah. or the default is a destructive exactly. end. Exactly. That's and, good. Uh, it, it's interesting, you know, anger and, and lust are, are often paired together in the Bible, and I think there's something about that, that there's a primal desire, and it's not that the sexual desire is bad, but we just know there's only a very narrow scope of directions where it can go in a good direction. Yeah, yeah. And, and in almost every other case, it will go in a destructive yeah. uh, direction because it's so powerful. And it's yeah. the same thing with anger, because it's so powerful. Um, it is far more likely to go bad than good yeah. unless it is chastened and ordered correctly. And the other thing I would say is God isn't just angry. He's slow to anger. He's slow to anger, exactly. That's his characteristic. Yeah. And, and so to actually image that, you would have to be slow to anger as well. Yeah, which means that self-control is always necessary. Yeah. Um, being sober, sober-minded, and, and not under the control of a passion. Right, seems to me to be one of the criteria for whether anger can be righteous or, or not righteous. And, I, and you alluded to this, but there's, there's a couple of words that are used for anger in the Bible. Um, as you know, there's one that's just a, a brief explosion. 
that just person loses their temper. They just react. There's other another one that's a more settled, permanent case. We would we might call it bitterness, but it's just being angry, yeah. resentment all the time. And that's the word that Jesus uses for anger, of being angry with his brother in the Sermon on the Mount. He's not talking about losing your temper at somebody because they 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 kicked your shin or something, but he's talking about having kind of a bitterness towards someone, a resentment towards somebody. And that's the kind of anger Jesus is talking about there. I find those those two, it doesn't justify the quick explosion, but it, it does show us where to put our, uh, our, our guard up. Yeah. Yeah, and we could also say what comes natural to us in our fallen state is resentment. Yeah. What comes naturally to God is mercy. Yeah. Goodness. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. and, and so his anger, it's a just reaction to sin. Yeah. And, and yet it is um, aligned with his other perfections like holiness, wisdom, justice, all of these things. And so when we talk about God, this is why theologians call God impassable. It's not that he doesn't have any feelings or affections. It's that he's never overwhelmed by any exactly. feeling or affection that he has. Great distinction. That, that, yeah. that anything that he quote-unquote feels, right, is, is, is perfectly in line with his will, his justice, his wise and ordered plan yes. as an expression of those things yeah. as well. And that's very different than the way we uh, experience yeah. anger yeah. for the most part, especially in our, our fallen state. Exactly. And, and so there's much work to be done here in redeeming this, just because it's such a primal, powerful yeah. emotion that I think we could all say from experience um, just goes crazy in all sorts of directions <laughs> where, where you can have uh, a situation that objectively isn't that big a deal, and yet you can make it an incredibly big deal yeah. because you're angry. Yeah. And maybe it'd be helpful just to think about some of the different manifestations of anger because a lot of people don't think of themselves as angry people because they don't have the fly off the handle, lose their temper, and yet they could be very angry people. Um, yeah, let's explore that because I was thinking about that um, David Pallison has a, a great book called Good and Angry, and I'll be I'll be stealing from it a lot here because it's it's helpful. But but he he talks about that as one of the first things people say when we talk about anger is I'm just not that angry a person. Yeah. And, and one of the points he makes is that we don't realize all of the different subtle manifestations yeah. of anger. Yeah. In our life. So what do you think those are? What are the different well, ways? Well, just in my own life, uh, as you said, I don't explode, except in certain situations. And I am easily frustrated when little tasks I'm doing do not go according to plan and the, the screw does not go into the hole or, you know, our, our things don't fit or things like that. And just, and I just, I begin to get more and more frustrated and more and more angry simply because my will is being thwarted. And I think it should, everything should work out easily and simply because I am the God of my, right. my existence. <laughs> and, and when it doesn't, when I'm reminded, no, you're not the God of your existence, I easily get frustrated. And that's a form of anger. Yeah. That's good. One of the things Pallison says in his book, he makes a helpful distinction between the volcano and the iceberg. Yeah. And he says they're both equally forms of, of anger. And yeah. you've, you've met the volcano Right, where, oh, it's yeah. coming, it's coming, and now, now something crazy is about to happen and something destructive, and you, you just have to poke them a little bit, and they eventually get there. Yeah. But there's a cool, aloof, 
detached kind of anger. Um, it's it's sarcasm. Yeah. It it's um, a lack of compassion. Yeah. It's a it's a condescendingness. Yeah. Toward other people. Yeah. And and just a, a lack of warm heartedness toward people. I think that's actually rooted in anger. Yeah. A lot of times. Absolutely. And and just a frustration with life and the way you've learned to deal with it is by not caring. Yeah. And being detached and cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that's right. I was looking for a proverb here that says exactly that. Um but I, I think one one is is the the wrathful man stirs up discord. Um that there is a, a negativeness, there's a, a cynicism, there's always looking at things through what's wrong. Yeah. And I think that's anger. Mm. I think that that negative approach to life is basically this person has been disappointed with life. I am I I am I have now I've seen reality and I'm gonna let everybody know that I'm not gonna fall be fooled again. And it's it it's just it, same things with depression. People who get depressed are usually angry people, because they've uh, I've got a friend who's just hopeless um, about her children, and all she can talk about is why are my children this way? Why are my and it's it's she is not trusting God, that God is at work in her children, and that God will work, and 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 it's just they're going through a rough patch right now. But there's just this. Woe is me, and that's anger. She's angry toward God because God is not giving her the life that she expected him to. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very different than sorrow or godly sorrow yes. where you are actually coming to grips with reality and having an appropriate emotional response. Right. And the appropriate emotional response would be this world is deeply distorted and depraved by sin yeah. and evil. And that is something to grieve and cry out to God for. Yeah. Um, I think often the subtext of anger is it shouldn't be this way. That's it. And I should be able to do something to make things different or someone else should have as well. Yeah. And uh, as, <laughs> as uh, uh, Shell had an uncle who would say, <laughs> Uh, I think I maybe I misattributed to him. It's a great quote anyway. Uh, we can't have closure till there's someone to blame. That's, yeah. that's what he would say in every situation. I just, that's a great quote. You know, we can't have closure. Yeah. That was it was a joke, but that's that's anger, right? That, yeah. that I, I that's it. I, I need to find who is the who is to blame. Yeah. Um, because I can't have closure until that. Yeah. No, that's it. And what it is is it's really a lack of acceptance. It's it's refusing to say God is going to work this out to, for good. God has got, got this under control. And, and so basically, I'm angry with God because God is not doing what I want him to do. And I, I really see that as the foundation of all anger. Huh. That ang it's, I'm angry with God. I don't like the way this thing is working out or not working out. And so whether I'm depressed or irate, um, or cynical, cold, all those different manifestations, hopeless, given up is really I get down I am angry with God that I don't think God is doing a good job of managing my life and manage, managing the universe right now but I don't think most people identify it as that at first do they no they're no. they're mad at their circumstances they're mad at their boss they're mad at this yeah. person yeah they're mad at the traffic jam they're, yeah the, the, you know the, there's all of these other factors but um, you would say that's ultimately 
um, a frustration with the general manager of the universe. I think he's so. He's not doing a good enough job. Well, if unbelief is is at the core of all sin, yeah, then I I think so. And there's something empowering about anger. Um, it's it's fun to feel sorry for yourself. It's fun to feel like the offended party. It's it's it feels good to be the one that people should be apologizing to, even though they're not. And uh, it's just easy that to become your lifestyle and your mindset that, that the world owes you something. And I think that's the, the danger of anger is you can be genuinely wronged. Okay, but what do I do with this feeling then? What do I do? How do I bring it to God? How do I resolve with other people? Where, yeah. where is my appeal? Because if you don't do something with it um, that's constructive, Pallison says in the book that the, the mental state of anger is lawyer mode. Yeah. Because your mind is very active when you're angry. Yeah. Uh, and you are making a prosecution in your mind against reality and against other people. But it's not just that you're the lawyer, uh, the prosecutor. You're also the judge making the ruling. And then you're also the jury <laughs> rendering a verdict. Yeah. And then you're also the executioner who feels like this is the verdict that has to happen. Yeah. And the longer you sit in that, the longer you're not taking God into account, that God is actually the judge, jury, executioner of the universe. He will make this right. Yeah. And, and it's an exhausting mental state to be in because you are taking the responsibility to enact a justice that you have no ability to enact. Exactly. Yeah. Who are you to judge the servant of another? Or, you know, that whole thing. There's one lawgiver and one judge, but who are you? Yeah, to judge. I think I I love the story of where Absalom has rebelled against his father King David, and most of the country has sided with Absalom, and so David and a few of his loyal henchmen are having to flee for their lives out of Jerusalem, and this guy named Shemaiah, who is a who is a relative of of King Saul, who has been bitter toward David all ever since Saul died and David replaced Saul on the throne, comes out and starts throwing rocks and, and screaming curses at, at David as he flees from Jerusalem. And uh, Joab, always the, uh, the, the, the simple... The most self-controlled man. The most <laughs> self-controlled man <laughs> says, I'll go take that, guy, that dog's head off. Yep. And, and David says, leave him alone, for God told him to say that. Wow. And so... David looks past Shemaiah to God and saying, God has got a message here for me. God wants me to understand something that's happening here, and I'm not going to resist that message. And I think that's the, that's the difference between people who can control their anger and people who cannot, is they can see God beyond the actual circumstances. And what is God up to here? Because he's in control. Yeah. And, and that's where the power comes from, Yeah, is seeing that God is at work. God is not mocked. Right. God will bring every deed to light. Right. Will judge every deed. Vengeance is his. Yeah. Um, and then I can entrust myself to his justice, and then I can be self-controlled. And I think here is the irony about anger. It feels very powerful to be angry. Like, this is how I flex and assert my power. And yet an angry person is the most easy person in the world to manipulate to do whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without yeah. walls. Yeah. And you just go back to middle school. You know, the kid that you can make angry 
the most. You know, that you can get that kid into trouble. You can get that kid to say stupid stuff, do stupid stuff. I mean, that kid is 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 easily swayed in one direction or the other because they cannot control themselves. Exactly. And so you're actually forfeiting your power. Yeah. You're forfeiting um, your ability to make um, a change in the world if you let anger take that foothold. No, that's good. No, Solomon said, like a city broken into without walls is a man with no control over his spirit. Yeah, that's what I just quoted. You oh. just quoted the other version of it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I quoted the, the better updated version. The, in, the interesting thing the interesting <laughs> thing is is that... Max, that, that quote made Max mad. He rolled his eyes at me. So yeah, he's just... <laughs> wise people restrain their anger in Proverbs. It's not that wise people don't get mad. Yeah. It's they control it. They realize how dangerous it is. And while it's normal to become angry, you can control how you express that anger. Yeah. And and it's it's very counter to the age of authenticity that we live in. Yeah. Where whatever this feeling is, the healthy thing is to express it, because if I don't express it, it's like this hydraulic pressure that lives in me and hurts me somehow because yeah. I'm not expressing my anger, uh, Proverbs often talks about ignoring an insult, that it's the fool whose vexation is known at once, yeah. that a prudent man conceals knowledge. Yeah. Now, anger does have to be dealt with, but that doesn't mean it has to be expressed in just the way you think. Yeah. Uh, that it's, I got to let it out so, yeah. that, that it, uh, so that it gets dealt with. So that's the healthy way to deal with anger. The irony of that, we all know, is the more you, you give vent to anger, the angrier you get. Exactly. It doesn't make you less angry. No, um, no. It's just like giving into lust doesn't make you less lustful. It makes no. you way more lustful. Exactly. So. Yeah. You don't ignore anger, but you have to resolve it. Yeah, that's and, good. And and uh, or else it will have a negative impact on your life. So so controlling your anger is not suppressing your anger. Yeah. Or being fearful of it, of dealing, but it is dealing with it from. And we can talk about how. What is a healthy way to deal with anger? Well, let's talk about that. Okay. Because that's a good next step in the conversation. Yeah. We get angry, and often we get angry for justifiable reasons. Yeah. That, you know, Paulson in his book says, anger is just, that's wrong and that matters. You know, that's, yeah. <laughs> that, that's why we get angry, is those two things. Like, that, that's wrong and it matters to me. It's not just a little thing. It's a yeah. thing that, of course, that can balloon immediately into um, a complete overreaction. Yeah. And we see that every day on the freeway, right? That's, yeah. the, 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 that, that's, that's the issue. And, and so how, how do you deal with anger constructively, redemptively, um, in a righteous way? What's helped me, I think, is, is thanking God whenever anything makes me mad. Just to, to use that as... I'm supposed to give thanks in all things, so thank you, Lord, for. And then, from there, I have to go, well, how can I, in good conscience, <laughs> thank God for this person, this thing? What is God using this? How is God using this to do me good? And I think Hebrews 12, and just how God disciplines all of his children, and everything we go through is God's training. It's, it's a gem for the development of godly character, then I begin to see everything as an exercise. This is an exercise in teaching me, developing in me 
qualities that I cannot develop in any other way. And once I work through that and see that God has made everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day, uh, I I guess my attention off of the the cause of my anger and onto the God behind the cause and how he's using this for me for good. Yeah. And I think that's good because anger is often blocked goals. Yeah. It's just, I wanted to do this thing and this person got in my way, and that's what I'm frustrated about. Yeah. And so there's a presumption of control. This gets back to pride. Yeah. What were yeah. your expectations like for the day that you were going to get your way in yeah. every situation? Yeah. Like, that's not, a, that's, that's an unrealistic way to live. And so I think starting with the God orientation, that the God is bringing this into my life to train me. Yeah. Or protect me. Or protect me. Yeah. Um, is, is key. Yeah. Yeah. Good. What else? Well, I think that. I, I think seeing things, trying to be like Jesus. I mean, it's enough for a disciple to become like his master. So how did Jesus handle this, take take this situation? And I just look at Jesus being, when he was uh, arrested, he was reviled, he did not revile in return, while suffering under no threats, but kept entrusting himself to God who judges righteously. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's if I'm to if I'm called to walk in His steps, um, then those are the steps I will be called to walk in too. So this is not abnormal. Yeah. This is not uh, wow. How strange that something should cross my will. How strange that something should go different than the way. This is the way I become like Christ. Yeah, and Jesus got really angry, and yeah. so it, it it's a. Uh... It's an unsettling thing in some ways. If I think there's a view of self-control that you just have to be this placid, unaffected, detached person all the time. And the minute you start getting too passionate about something or caring, well, that's a sign that you've lost self-control. Like, well, you know, I mean, Jesus does cleanse the temple. Jesus does things that are pretty radical. Yeah. Um, and But that is so clearly rooted in his vocation and what God has called him to do, and also in God's reputation and glory, yeah. and the fact that Israel is completely missing their redemptive purpose in God's yeah. plan. And so it is way bigger than people aren't listening to me or dealing with me. It has everything to do with God and his purposes yeah. and the people who are being hurt yeah. in that situation. Yeah. Um, we, were, we were reading last night in Acts 17 in Athens and how Paul was provoked yeah. by all all of the idols. I mean, it's just, it, to him, seeing, and there were apparently more idols in Athens than the whole rest of Greece combined. And so you have this city just full of idols, and as a, uh, a faithful monotheist, yeah. seeing God's glory given to all these uh, works of, of stationary, right. just provoked. And so Paul is rightly provoked. Yeah. You see Jesus when uh, there's a man with a withered hand sitting inside of, in front of him, and, and all of his opponents are looking, or is he going to heal on the Sabbath? Can we accuse him here? Completely ignoring this man's need. And, and Jesus says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Is it lawful to do anything on the Sabbath? And they don't answer a word. Yeah. said, Jesus, being grieved with anger, said, stick out your hand, <laughs> and he healed it. And so I think a lot of it is, is whose behalf am I angry on? Right. Am I angry on my own behalf, 
Because to me, that's sinful. But yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you can be angry over something done to you that's truly wrong. I mean, that's just living in a moral universe. It's it's more what you do than with the anger that you experience, I, right? Yeah, let me let me correct that. Expressing anger, how I express my anger. Right. I think I can be strong in expressing my anger over something that's done to somebody else, mm-hmm. uh, somebody that's hurt. Yeah. Um, and and it's wrong sometimes to kind of let those things go and not not be angry about certain things. Yeah. And especially when it comes to God, when, when right. God is insulted or God, that, so. Yeah, that, that's where, but what's interesting about those cases, right, Paul is provoked, he is, he is agitated, he is angry about the idols. What does he do? He goes and reasons. Yeah. He, he listens and reasons. And Jesus is provoked to anger. Uh, what does he do? He shows compassion. Yeah. And yeah. so th- there's this incredibly redemptive movement in response yeah. to the anger, to say, no, for God's reputation... And for the help of others, I will not let X, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very much the, the Martin Luther King kind of ideal of the, you engage with redemptive love, yeah. non-retaliatory, and yet be deeply angered yeah. over the injustice of what's, yeah. of what's happening. Um, but, but it has to be channeled in a, in a clear way yeah. um, toward these redemptive ends. And that's, that's what amazes me about the civil rights movement. I mean, when you look at how they... They protested all of the the guidelines they gave for saying this is how we are going to have credibility and get a voice and, and get heard. Here's what we do. Here's what we don't do. Here's what you know. And so it's taking all that anger, but it it's ordering it toward a very redemptive yeah. end. And so there's energy, there's passion, and yet it's clear. I mean, I mean, it was a Jesus ethic, right? That, that that's exactly. shaping exactly. that sort of an engagement. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, that's good. Um, so, which is, yeah, you know, which is a high bar to follow because I, uh, I'm convicted that I just don't keep my powder dry. You know, I get angry over everything. And so I, it, it, I lose credibility when I get angry over everything because the things that really matter to get angry about is like, well, he's just an angry guy. He gets yeah. angry over everything yeah, rather than exactly. really saving it for the times when, no, this really matters. This is about God's reputation or this yeah. is about hurting people. That's not okay, right? Yeah. And that's, yeah. uh, that's where I'm convicted. Yeah, no, that's um, good. So... Yeah, I, I think another thing we could talk about, Ephesians 4, Paul says, be angry and do not sin. Right. So clearly there's a way to be angry and not sin, but right. he, gives the, he gives what to do right after that. Do not let the sun go down on your anger Right. and give the devil no opportunity, which to me means you should resolve the cause of your anger as quickly as you possibly can. Yeah, yeah. No, Cain and Abel is the classic example of that. And God even warns Cain. He says, sin is crouching at the door. You are angry towards your brother. Yeah. But you must master it. Yeah. And he doesn't. He stays angry and eventually kills his brother. Yeah. And so that there is a, there is a, a quick, a, necess- a need for quick resolution of anger. Yeah. And, and so I think that's where um, quick reconciliation is so important. Yeah. To when I start feeling angry, pause and say, okay, what am I mad about? What is this? Yeah. Do I need to talk to this person? Because if I do, I should call them now. Yeah. I should go approach them now, or else I make a little place in my heart for the devil to to, to burrow in there. Exactly. And create all sorts of relational problems. Yeah. And I think that's often 
I, I see it happen in marriages where you get a person who's a pleaser and, mm-hmm. and they just go along to get along. And yeah. like, well, I'm not angry because of this. Well, you build up years and years and years of resentment. And you have to take ownership for it in part to say, you know what? I never really clearly stated what, I, what mattered to me, what I thought was important here. Yeah. And learn to negotiate in this relationship. Yeah. I just kind of let things you know, go along to get along. Yeah. But inevitably, you get mad. Because yeah. you end up doing things that you're passively resistant towards. Right. right. And, and so the, the challenge is to have truthful relationships where you really talk things out yeah. graciously, even though it's annoying and takes more time. Oh, that's good. But things have to be negotiated. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's one that comes to mind. I mean, the other thing I would just talk about, obviously, whenever Paul talks about anger, or often he talks about forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So any thoughts on that? Well... Yeah, I mean, w- forgiveness in a lot of ways is the antidote to anger. Yeah. When we're talking about anger toward people, I can't forgive somebody and stay angry at them. It's just uh, yeah. simple as that. And so seeing that I am damaging my own relationship with Christ as long as I refuse to, to forgive somebody, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, God will not forgive you. And, and that I am separating myself from God when I refuse to, it uh, doesn't matter if they deserve to be forgiven. That's not even the issue. The issue is, am I going to be obedient to God and forgive the way he forgives me? Yeah. And that connection is so interesting. Why am I separating my communion with God? Because I am so unlike God in yeah. that moment. Yeah, yeah. A God who is by nature forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and slow to anger. Yeah. Uh, I cannot be close to that kind of God without becoming a forgiving person as yeah. a natural byproduct, because I see how lavish his forgiveness yeah. is yeah. Uh, toward me. Yeah. One thing I've noticed, and going back to a point you made earlier, about people who do not are not honest about things that bother them in a relationship, is that I think cowardice is a major cause of anger, hmm. because we want people to do the right thing without us having to step out and take a risk and saying, here's what the right thing is, and, and call people to account. So we want, we want kind of a easy for me, hard for you. You should do the right thing just because it's the right thing, not because I've asked you to do it. And I, so I think a lot of people I see that are hamstrung by bitterness and anger are cowardly people because they refuse to deal with things up front. Well, because it's hard to deal with things. It is. Run. It's easier to be angry, at least in the short run. In the short run. The, it's so much more difficult in the long. Yeah. I think seeing that resolving your anger right away, like it says here, and, you know, this, this sort of test for me is, um, can I overlook it as Proverbs 19? It's a man's glory to overlook an offense. I just need to put that away. If it keeps coming back into my mind, I keep getting angry about it. I just talk to the person about it. Just, exactly. Just, just address it because I don't want to let this thing claw at me. Yeah. Just, just do that. And, and then with forgiveness, my thought is, is this. It's, it's, it's a life or death thing to learn to forgive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, there was a longitudinal study of men at Harvard and flourishing into late life. And I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but it was something like this. When they looked at people who lived long, healthy lives, they said there's a turning point in middle age in your 40s and 50s where you have to learn to forgive. Mm. And the men that do that overwhelmingly live happy mm-hmm. into old age. 
the men that don't um, destroy themselves. Yeah, yeah. They die prematurely. Yeah, they're they're lonelier. Yeah, and, and you just see this calcification of people when they stay bitter. Yeah, and they don't change the world for the better, and they only destroy themselves. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so. That's good. So that to me is the really where the rubber meets the road with forgiveness is I have to put this away. Yeah. And I think one of the distinctions to, to make clear is the Bible commands attitudinal forgiveness. That the, the kind of forgiveness that says, I'm not going to hold this person in the court yeah. anymore. I'm not going to resent them. I accept the consequences of their actions. It's done. Yeah. Even have to do it again and again, the attitude, the reconciliation is a two way street. Yeah. Yeah. But but the attitude has to be there all the time. As often as I'm praying, as often as things come up, forgiving it, forgiving it, forgiving it. Yeah. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 11. Yeah, yeah. No, it comes Mark down 11, it comes yeah. down to my relationship with Him. Yep, is the important thing here. Right. No, that's good. Th- there's a lot more we could say. I think because I'm an angry person, I can you know <laughs> I, I I can speak from my expertise on feelings of anger. But I, you know, I think being aware of the. Um, the dashboard in your life is another really important thing. You know, there are warning signs that say I'm getting too, I'm, I'm getting angry. Yeah. And one of them is just that anger is a state of body, not just a state of mind. Mm. And so um, when you're shortening breath, when your teeth are clenching, when you're doing this, that's my pause to say, okay, why do I feel this yeah. way? Yeah. And no, to just slow your breathing. <laughs> that's part of being slow to anger. Yeah. Slow to speak now. Okay, this is a time to breathe and talk to God, not to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Not not to do anything. And then also realizing that anger is a thing that operates in aggregate. So if you have lots of stress in your life piling up, piling up, piling up, piling up, you have to find a way to rest, get refreshment, or anger is going to come out in lots of weird ways. Mm. And that's and that's one of the funniest things about anger. <laughs> Funny not for the people experiencing it, but like anger has terrible aim. Yeah. Right? Like you could be so mad about some political thing and then you're like short with your kid because yeah. you're thinking about that. It's like, well, your kid isn't involved in politics, dude. Yeah. Like what's the you know, it's it's just it's it, it you get all this friendly fire with anger. Yeah. Yeah. And so just realizing when I'm in that agitated state, maybe it's you come home from work and you're agitated saying, you know what, I am going to take ten minutes in the car. Yeah. To just pray and make a transition in my day now, yeah. rather than fly into the next yeah. thing. Yeah. That's those that's are some things that have been helpful. Yeah, for me is just being aware. It's gonna come, and if I and if I don't catch myself, it's just it's it's not gonna end well for anyone. Yeah, I think along with that is that what you put into your mind is so important. Yeah, because if you're constantly putting politics or just a negative view of life, a cynical view of life into your mind, it's going to affect you, Um, even if you're just doing it for entertainment. And uh, it's going to affect other people as well. You can can cultivate an angry spirit, and a lot of people do that, just like you can cultivate a fearful spirit. Um, It sells. Or a smug spirit. Yeah, that we're right and they're wrong, or whatever it is, but it it's it will hurt you, in the end, and the people around you. Well, and the system is optimized for that. Oh yeah, right now, right? Limbic capitalism, yeah. and the whole idea of that yeah. operating the brain's limbic system that whatever makes you the most angry, lustful, fearful, whatever, that's the what the algorithm is going to poke at all the time yeah. because that's what keeps you hooked to whatever this media is. Yeah. you just have to make a decision. 
I'm not going to live in a state of agitation because yeah. guess what? You can find the five worst things about the world today and you can dwell on, you know, you they, they will be sold to you all day long because it keeps people yeah. hooked. Yeah. And, and you have the illusion that you can do something about it. And yeah. So if you have both of those things, you're going to be in a constant state of agitation. Exactly. Which means you're in a constant stage of high blood pressure. Um, uh, yeah. Physiologically bad state a, to be in. Adrenaline. Um, just all kinds of stuff going on that's not good for your body. And you won't and yeah. for your soul. Yeah, and you won't think clearly enough then to make good decisions no. in life that are good long term yeah. decisions. You yeah. know, it just gets back to that. You know, there's a reason they call it madness, right? Yeah. You know, getting mad. Greg always talks about yeah. that. When you're in that state, you can't be effective. You know, I look at you look at athletes who get really mad. You know, you think, oh, they're gonna play passionate. They're gonna get really mad. But you see a football player, if you can get them really, really mad, that they're done. Yeah, they, exactly. They, they can't perform at the highest level. Exactly. So. Anyway. And it's funny to watch guys on the field who know that <laughs> and are constantly baiting the yeah. other guys on the other team. Oh, it's an art. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's, it's uh, just to get their mind off the game. Yep. Make it personal. Make, make it, it personal. Uh, I'm angry yeah. at this yeah. person. Right? Exactly. So, yep. So true. Well, I don't feel angry right now, Dad. I don't either. Yeah, it's, it's good. good. So <laughs> I think you've solved my problem. I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, thanks, Dad. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Listeners, thank you. Hope this has been helpful, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.